0: Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. Well, welcome to church. How are you guys this morning? Are you good? Good, 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 good. Okay, well, if I haven't had the the great privilege of meeting you face-to-face yet, my name is Bethany Peterson. Um, I am the student ministries director here at Ridgeway Church, um, which I love, and I get to wear lots of different hats, but one of my favorite hats that I get to wear is that on Wednesday nights and throughout the week, I get to do life and talk about Jesus with some of the most incredible middle and high school students on planet Earth, okay? I might be a little biased, but they are incredible and um it's, it's exciting, and I love that, and love you guys. Love, you're representing strong this morning. You guys are awesome. Uh, but this morning, I'm excited to be sharing the word. Um, pastor Brian and Debbie are not with us today. They are actually in Colorado. Um, actually, Sunday of last week, they got news that um, a pastor in our fellowship of churches, our network of churches in Colorado, um, went home to be with Jesus. And so this weekend, they've been in Colorado just celebrating his life and honoring him. And um, so this morning... I get to share the word with you, and I'm very excited. I, We're just going to jump right in. Um, today, I want to share from a story found in the book of Ezekiel. And it's a story that has always grabbed my attention, and it's called The Valley of Dry Bones. Some of you might be familiar with it. Some of you might have read it. Some of you might be like, I've never heard of that before. This sounds creepy. Don't worry, okay? Go with me there, all right? And this passage of Scripture is a passage of Scripture that the Lord has just kind of— um, been bringing to life personally for me over the last few years. Um, And he's really been teaching me about what it means to shift my perspective to life in the middle of a valley of death, okay? And um, just to give you some context, context is really important, right? And this Bible that we read on Sunday mornings, that we read throughout the week, the Word of God, um, there's a lot of different books in here. There's a lot going on. So it's important that we understand the context of what's happening here. And so just to give you a little bit of context, the book of Ezekiel is written by a man named Ezekiel. Who knew, right? Pretty crazy. And Ezekiel was a prophet. So basically he was God's mouthpiece to the people that he was speaking to. God would, in, in that day and age, people didn't have access to God like we do now. They couldn't just go before him and and pray and talk to God and receive from him, there there was a a bit of a, a, a specific situation that had to happen. And so God would speak through the prophet to a people. And so Ezekiel was a prophet during a time in history when God's people had been exiled to Babylon. So they were taken out of their land, Israel, and they were living in captivity in Babylon. And Ezekiel was speaking to a people that were broken and surrounded by hopelessness. They were conquered, they were captured, and they were taken away to a foreign land. And in this story, Ezekiel is sharing a vision that the Lord gave him concerning these people, like a dream, a vision, right? And so we're going to read Ezekiel 37. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open to Ezekiel 37. If you have your smartphones, you can flick over. If you don't have either of those, don't worry. We're going to put it up on the screen. So just sit back, read along. It's all good. But we're going to read these 14 verses that are this story of the Valley of Dry Bones. And it says this, "...the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones." Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet as a vast army. And then he said to me, we're almost done here. Hang with me. then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Remember a people in captivity. That's, that's them. We are cut off, therefore prophesy and say to to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel and then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. And the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is Finding Life in Death Valley. These verses vividly depict a valley of total despair. It's almost like a little eerie to read, right? You start reading it, it's like, ooh, that's just spooky. I wouldn't want to be Ezekiel in the middle of that graveyard. But I wonder what your valley is today. Is there an area in your life that seems dead? Is there a a space in your life that maybe seems kind of hopeless? Is there a dream that you once dreamed that you've given up on? Maybe you have a relationship that you've tried and tried and tried to revive and it just seems like it's too far gone. This morning, as we look to the word of God and the truth of who Jesus is, I believe there is something that the Lord wants to speak to all of us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he wants to speak to us this morning? Something we always say in youth on Wednesday nights, these guys know it, but we always say when, when we're getting ready to hear the word and look to the word and hear from truth hear truth from God, we always say, guys, get your notebooks out, get your Bibles out and lean in. Don't we say that? We say lean in. And we don't say lean in because we want them all starting to fall off their seat. Like that's not the goal. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to like throw all of our students on the ground. The, the thing is when we say lean in, it's, it's like a posture of our heart, right? And what I found in life is that when I come to Jesus expectant and ready, and I'm saying, God, I'm ready for you to speak to me. He always absolutely 100% of the time shows up and breathes something new in my life. And so there's this idea of expectancy. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, get ready. What's God going to speak to you this morning? What does he have for you in his word this morning? Because you and I might not be exiles from a foreign land today. But I believe that God has truth for us laced within the passage of the scripture to encourage our hearts and strengthen our faith. His plan is not to leave us feeling like we're surrounded by death. In John ten ten, this is Jesus talking. He says this, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So let's pray this morning before we go any further. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are in this place God, that you are here ready to meet with us, that you want to breathe something fresh into our lives, that you want to encourage our hearts, that you want to bring transformation to us, God. And so this morning, as we look to your word, God, we ask that you would take full control in this place, that you would speak what you want to speak. God, we surrender to you and we ask you to just come in right now. God, you know what every single person Came in here with, you know what we're carrying, you know what we're walking through. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are a God that speaks individually to people, not to a vast crowd. So, this morning, I pray that you'd speak individually to our hearts. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's jump in. If you're taking notes, you can grab those out. As Christ followers, what do we do in the valley of death? That's my question this morning. What do we do? How do we find life in Death Valley? My first point this morning is we need to declare truth. We need to declare truth. I love in this passage of scripture, how God gets the ball rolling by saying to Ezekiel, hey, Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live? He says, he, he brings Ezekiel in, in the middle of this, of this graveyard and says, hey, Ezekiel, look around. Do you think they can live? And kind of an odd question, But I actually love Ezekiel's response because if I'm being truly honest and God brought me into the middle of a valley of dry bones and then he said, Bethy, do you think these can live? I would probably look around and then I would respond based on what I see in my circumstances around me. Okay. So I'd probably look and be like, well, God, like these bones are dry and brittle. I don't see any flesh or anything that could make them a human. They look like they've been dead for a while. So I don't really know what to tell you. I'm going to say no. Like that, uh, to be perfectly honest, that probably would have been my response, right? But I love that Ezekiel's response is, sovereign Lord, only you know. It's almost as if he just kind of takes the basketball and throws it back into God's court. And he's like, look, like I'm actually, I'm actually not going to answer that one. You know, God, it's up to you. You know what's going to happen. And so then it goes on into verse four. And God says, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. You will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And so the first thing that God asked Ezekiel to do was prophesy, right? To speak. To speak out and you and I in our situations whatever we're surrounded with this morning okay you might not be in a literal valley of dry bones but I, I have to believe that we have stuff going on in our worlds when we walked in here this morning there's stuff that might feel hopeless and discouraging surrounding us and we're not quite sure how to take a step forward and you and I are called to prophesy as well we're called to speak to that which is dead and declare it alive And in order to declare something alive, we have to know how to speak truth over it, right? And that means that we need to know what truth is. And and truth is a word that's really thrown around in our culture a lot. But this morning, I'm not talking about a your truth, my truth kind of thing. I'm talking about the truth, capital T, the truth that is found in the person of Jesus Christ and in the word of God and what his promises are over us. I love how it says in this verse, I kind of underline it up there, hear the word of the Lord. So essentially God tells Ezekiel, hey, Ezekiel, say this, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He tells Ezekiel to say to the dry bones, hey, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Why? Because the word of the Lord brings life. The word of the Lord brings transformation in our lives. It's not my self-talk or my positivity that's gonna transform my life. It's the word of the Lord, the truth of who he is. And being a Christian doesn't mean that whenever things go wrong, we pray and God gives us what we want. Sometimes that can be a little misconception, you know. It's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I pray, and God just kind of like, like sends me fairy dust and everything gets good. Like, that's not the way it works, you know. In certain situations, I pray, and God, there's an answered prayer in exactly the way I prayed, and that's awesome. But then there's other times that it doesn't exactly work out exactly how I thought it would. If we want to pray, we need to pray according to his will. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, I love this verse. It says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So when I'm prophesying over my life, over the things that are dead, when I'm declaring the redeeming power of Jesus over my circumstances, I do it within the context of scripture, within the context of the word of God and what he says. And in some situations, the way I want something to go is is not the way it works out. And that's a real bummer when it does, because I'm going to be really honest with you. I think I'm a professional... Uh problem solver. And when I enter a situation I already have a game plan. I'm like, "Nope, this is how it needs to go." Sometimes I I catch myself, you know, talking to God. I'm like, "So God, if you just just make this like this and this will help this person and everything will be great." And I, sometimes I find myself praying like that and talking to God and and almost giving him the detailed plan of how it needs to happen. But the reality is that God sees the bigger picture and he knows what's best. Even if we don't understand it, he knows what's ultimately best for our hearts and for the situation. And sometimes my perspective shift is what is needed in order to see things revived in my life. Sometimes it's not him answering my prayer request exactly how I wanted it answered. Sometimes it's me shifting my perspective to something a little bit different. I may not have a choice over how things go, but I do have a choice over what I speak. And that is the truth. Okay, so Facebook. Divert for a second. Who has Facebook? Raise your hand. Show of hands. Okay, all right. We there's people Facebook in the room. Okay, so who knows that on Facebook, um, if you've been an active Facebooker like I have over the last decade, I don't know, it's, it's crazy, but um, Facebook does this thing called memories. You guys familiar with memories, you know, where like, you know, certain days it'll pop up three years ago and it'll show you what you posted three years ago or four years ago or whatever. Well, I, I realized that I was pretty active over the last decade, especially like my high school years, because like Facebook kind of happen and I thought I had to like update everybody on everything that I was doing. So, so dumb. Um, but anyways, so now I, one of my favorite things to do every day is to go on Facebook and look at my memories because it's sad. I have a memory almost every single day. There's not really a day that I don't have a memory. And sometimes it's from 10 years ago. Sometimes it's from seven years ago. Sometimes it's from three years ago. And I just love it. Sometimes I laugh and I'm like, oh my goodness, you were kind of embarrassing, but that's okay. And then other times I'm like, man, that was a really good memory or that was something Something really cool that happened, right? So I love Facebook memories. Okay, so this week, as I was kind of preparing this message and asking the Lord what He wanted me to share and prepping it, um, one day this week I, I went on Facebook and my memory popped up, and so I was like, "Okay, I'll go look." And as I looked, there was a post that I posted three years ago in 2017, and um, I would just want to share with you a little bit about this post because I kind of thought it was it was interesting timing to what I was sharing this morning. But um, this post. I put up, and it was a picture of, um, of a desert, okay? It was a picture of a desert, and then in the middle of the desert, everything, I mean, it just looked like a very barren, barren, dry, desolate desert, and then right in the middle, there was like this flower springing up, and the words over this picture were a garden in the wasteland, okay, and I want to read what was written underneath it. the the kind of thoughts that I put under there. But first I want to tell you when, when I did write this three years ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop on a Monday on my day off and I remember writing this and processing it and thinking about it just like it was yesterday. Cause I just, I remember in that moment, I was feeling very discouraged I was feeling like, almost like the light switch had gone off and I didn't know what way was left or right. I was feeling visionless. I was feeling like some dreams that I had been dreaming for were all of a sudden cut off. Some things that I was hoping for um, did not happen the way I thought they would and I was very discouraged to say the least. I think some of you could relate to those feelings in one way or another. And I remember sitting in that coffee shop and, and almost being at like, at like my last straw. Have you guys ever been there? Where it's like, you're sitting there and I was like, okay, the only thing I have left to do is just ask God, what on earth do I do? Like, that's how my heart was feeling. And so I remember I'm like sipping my coffee and trying to hide, like, you know, my eyes are kind of filling up with tears a little bit. And I'm like praying and talking to God. And I remember saying, God, I don't know what to do next. I just feel so void of vision and hope. And I'm not quite sure how to keep walking or what to do next. And then the Lord just kind of began to download this idea to me about how what I speak matters. And so I just want to read these words to you. Um, And so this is what it said. It says, To those who feel forgotten, alone, and discouraged, those who have been tilling the rough soil with little to no change in your workplace, your family, in a relationship, or a dream deep within you, you're tired, weary, and surrounded by desolation. It's in the midst of the desert wasteland that you dare to make a choice to see what will someday be, to choose faith, believing in that which you cannot see. Choose to see the flourishing garden that will one day blossom, the lush flowers that will one day spring forth from the ground you are so diligently cultivating. The grass isn't greener on the other side. It's green where you water it. So don't give up. His timing is perfect. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful choose hope over fear, choose peace over chaos, choose Jesus. And, and I read those words to you today, not because they're eloquent or special, but because this popped up in a moment when I was preparing a message about uh, a desert valley. And then this came up and I was just immediately taken back to three years ago in this moment in the coffee shop where I felt like Jesus said to me, Bethy, you need to choose what you're going to speak over this because what you can do is you can spiral out of control and you can begin to speak out everything you see around you, which is very discouraging. Or you can use choice words and you can begin to speak out what will be, what I, the truth that I have placed on you, that you are called for a purpose, that I have a plan for your life, that I am good, that I give good gifts to my children. These are the things that we need to declare in those valley moments. I may not have a choice over how things go, but I do have a choice over what I speak. And so do you. We serve a God that transforms the impossible and makes it possible. And there is power in what we declare over our circumstances and over the circumstances around us. In verse 7, it goes on and said, And as I was prophesying, there was a noise a rattling sound, and the bones came together. I think this is the craziest part of the story. It's like, could you just for a second just imagine, could you imagine if you were in that scenario, and all of a sudden you're like prophesying, God told you to say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, and then all of a sudden stuff starts to rattle. And you're like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I probably would have like backed up away from the bones and tried to get away, because man, that, ugh, that just sounds kind of nerve-wracking, the rattling sound, and the bones begin to come together, bone to bone. And I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them but get this there was no breath in them things are coming together bodies are taking shape but something was missing which brings me to my next point this morning when we are in the middle of death valley we must look heavenward the bodies began to take shape but there was no breath without breath there is no life and without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, there is no transformation. Some of you might feel like your situations have somewhat come together, right? You might, you might feel like, you know, they, they look good from the outside. You know, there's skin and on the bones and there's flesh and all of that. Like, you know, it kind of, it looks like a body. Those looked like a body, right? They looked like they had form. You might feel like your situations kind of look that way. They look whole from the outside, but you realize you're missing that X factor, You're missing that special thing that actually gives it life. You're missing the power of God in your life. The Greek word for power is the word dunamis, okay? And throughout scripture, we see this word in correlation with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this word is actually used 10 times in the book of Acts. And it always refers to God's power and his miracles. And when the Bible uses this word dunamis, it never refers to our strength or our ability. It doesn't refer to like how good I am and how great I am at making this come together and sorting out this situation and and the power that I have. It always refers to Christ's power, to the power of the Holy Spirit. You see the secret ingredient to us walking in power and seeing a shift in the places of our lives that seem dead is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. That's it. That that is the secret ingredient in the recipe. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 10, it says, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. And then they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. I have good news for you this morning. The God we serve is in the business of breathing life to that which is dead. That's, that's literally what he does. Think about creation. At the beginning of time, there was nothing. There was God and, and nothing. And with his words, with his breath, he spoke out the words, let there be light. And in that moment, light entered creation and then from there on with his words he began speaking and forming this world that we know it with let there be land and sea let there be fish in the sea and birds in the air and and animals that roam the earth and let there be plants and then then he says all that's good and then he gets to this part where he breathes life into humanity he makes man and woman and with his very breath he breathes life into this creation that he formed in his image We serve a God that is in the business of breathing life into that which is dead. Your situation isn't too far gone this morning. It's not. My situation isn't too far gone. We must declare truth. We must look heavenward. And the third thing that we need to do this morning is we need to recognize that nothing is too gone for the saving power of Jesus. I wanna invite the team up. Nothing is too gone for the saving power of Jesus. I love how, go back to verse two, right? In verse two, God brings Ezekiel into this valley of dry bones. And then the words that are used to describe the bones are very dry. That's how he uses it. He says, he, says he brings him into a valley of bones and the bones were very dry. I don't know about you, but when I think of very dry bones, I mean, they could have just said, you know, dead bones or the bones or any other type of descriptive words. But, but the words that are chosen to be used is very dry. And when I hear very dry, I think of something that has been gone a really long time, right? I think of something that's brittle and dead and just a, a wasteland. Nothing's there. It's too far gone. And so often we look at the situations and the circumstances around us and we think it's just too far, gone. God, God could never redeem that. You don't understand that relationship. It's hopeless. God, God could never breathe life into that circumstance. That thing I've prayed for will never be fulfilled. That longing in my heart will never be satisfied. Trust me, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. It's not happened maybe you're sitting in this seat and maybe for you, it's not necessarily the specific circumstances around you, but maybe you feel like, no, 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 you don't understand what I've done. Over and over and over again, I have chosen the wrong thing. And why would God forgive me of all people? Maybe that's where you're at. And in these moments, we have to remind ourselves of who our God is. At this time of Ezekiel, when this story was written, the dead bones coming back to life was a picture of the exiled people being brought back into the land of Israel, their homeland, right? The place they had been taken out of. It was about a people without hope who were being resurrected to new hope. But it's even better for you and me today, and here's why. Because 600 years after Ezekiel, the promised Messiah was born. Jesus, Jesus came to earth. He was fully God, yet fully man. He walked the earth for 33 years, modeling love and servant leadership and teaching those around him about this kingdom of heaven. Everything he did was kind of backwards of the world. And he began to preach this gospel of love and he just showed it with his actions. He turned everything upside down in the best possible way. And then he goes to the cross, and he endures this horrible death on the cross, not because he was a sinner or a thief or he deserved it. He goes to the cross because he knew that one day, one day you would need salvation. You would need something bridging that gap between him and you, because the wages of sin is death. And my life, my flesh is full of sin. No matter how hard I try, I mess up daily. It's just who we are. It's part of our sin nature. But Jesus goes to this cross and he gives his life so that we could be in relationship with him. So that we could accept that gift of salvation and live one day in eternity with him, but also with hope and purpose on this planet. And three days later, he's raised to life. You know the story, we celebrate at Easter. Easter, we party so big, but we also party so big all year because when he was raised on that third day, when they went to that tomb and the tomb was empty, that changed the game for you and me forever, forever. The script was rewritten, the page was turned on the story. Nothing was ever the same this is the God that you and I are offered relationship with man I've been a Christian since I was four years old I've been walking with Jesus since I was four years old and every time I like start to really think about that it just kind of chokes me up because what a gift of grace that I don't deserve that you don't deserve but he comes and lavishes it on us freely in Romans 8 it says this the spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. Okay, so we're talking about this, this, this person that conquered death. And what does this say? This says that that Spirit is actually alive in you and me, that it is ours for the taking. And that same power that raised Him is the power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that we have the opportunity to have live in us and be a part of our lives. You see, nothing is too far gone for the saving power of Jesus. The more dead, the better the more dead the better why because it is just more space for jesus to do his thing you might look at your situation and say it is impossible trust me you don't even know my circumstance this is impossible let me tell you it's not possible for god it is not possible for him and he is in the business of transformation bringing dead things to life when all seems lost there is hope and in verse six i loved what what God said he said I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord I will put breath in you you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord and this morning I asked the team to lead us in a song and we can stand to our feet and um we're gonna worship here in a moment you can stand um but, but here's, here's what I wanna kind of challenge you with. Is it okay if I give you a challenge? Is that all right? I'm challenging myself too. Here's the challenge. If you're in this place and you feel like these words that have been spoken about like this picture of Death Valley, this, this idea of desperation and desolation and discouragement, right? If, if, if that's where you feel like you're at, this morning I wanna challenge you to sing louder. I want to challenge you to turn up the volume on your praise a little bit, because here's the thing. We don't do this just because like, you know, it's it's kind of fun and we like music around here. Music is great, but there's a reason that we take the first 20 minutes of every service and dedicate it solely to singing out praise and worshiping God. There's a reason we do that. And it's because when we are in an atmosphere of worship, when I have my hands raised or I'm on my knees or I'm in whatever posture of worship that I take and, and I'm declaring who God is, my gaze is shifted to the power and might of my almighty God and away from my circumstances that feel dead and desperate and hopeless around me. This is a fight pose. This is a this is a stance that we take when we're asking God to bring transformation, when we're desperate in the middle of something. And so if you're in the middle of a die, dry and desperate season, your praise needs to be loudest this morning. Amen. And I think if I'm being honest, when we are in that situation, usually that's not the way we want to go right I know for me when I've been in those seasons the position I want to take is like the fetal position like tuck down just like survive right survival mode but what God wants from us today is to surrender and say Jesus my situations my circumstances might not be what I want them to be, but God you are still good You are still sovereign. You are still faithful. Even if I don't see it, I'm going to declare that I believe you're working. And so we are going to worship. And then afterwards, I just want to come up and pray. And so let's just, let's just worship now. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridgeway.church.